Hey all you cool cats and kittens, welcome back to the Christ and Culture, this is Clint. And this is Gordon. And if you can't tell from our intro, today's topic is going to be the ever-famous, probably the most popular documentary in the world right now, Tiger King. But before we jump into that, Gordon, how are you doing? What are you watching? What are you listening to? All that good stuff. Doing well. I'm watching the same stuff, typically, that we've been talking about. Mostly finishing Ozark, finishing Bob's Burgers slowly. How many seasons Listen. are there to Bob's Burgers? I feel like it's been going forever. Ten. Ten, okay. And they're like, it's a, you know, one of those 20, 25 minute cartoons, so there's always like 20 to 25 episodes per season. Mm-hmm. So it takes a while. And we've also slowed down watching that as, as much. But yeah, we're about halfway through season five, almost to season six. Okay. Wow. And then we picked up two other shows that we don't watch as often, only when we're like, we really don't want to think or anything, but... We started watching The Masked Singer. Okay. Which is stupid addictive. It's just like one of the most clever clickbait shows I've ever seen in my life. Everyone just wants to know who it is, yeah. You just need to know, and you think you know. And then uh, we also started watching, we've seen only two episodes, but Lego Masters, which is basically a Lego building competition hosted, hosted by Lego Batman. Oh my, I didn't even put that together. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, I, I've seen one episode. It was on at the, the gym one time, and I was like, my roommate Cody would love this show. Yeah. Other than that, you know, just listening to different vinyls and just kind of random shuffle music from like the 90s and 2000s, nothing particular. Hanging out with friends via video where we can and mm-hmm. playing lots of D&D and other games. That's about it. Same same kind of stuff, just uh, intentionally scattered. Gotcha. Not as uh, binging as the first week no. after Exodus? No, no, no. <laughs> That's good. Okay, yeah, so I'm playing more more video games now than I have for a very, very long time. I think I just, like, hit a lot of games at once, and yeah. So that's the main thing that I've been taking in this week, actually is uh well the first thing is a game i've never played before so it's called seven days to die sounds super awful but my roommate davis invited me to play and i was like yeah i'll play for like an hour oh my gosh dude like we're talking double digits of hours later (laughs) we (laughs) we finished our first session uh it's it's minecraft essentially but with better graphics and you're in a like zombie apocalypse world so you, you have to fight zombies and not like Minecraft zombies, like real zombies. And you can like get mm. infected and stuff. So you have to like make medicine. You have to feed yourself and all that stuff. And so you're like scavenging throughout this abandoned universe trying to find supplies to stay alive and stuff. And then every seven days, there's a zombie raid. So that's why it's seven days to die. So it's basically like a survive as long as you can kind of thing. And it gradually gets harder. Like the computer or what? Uh, we were playing on his PlayStation. Okay. Yeah. But I think you can play online from what he said. I don't remember. But yeah, we were playing like a two-person thing. Man, it gets it gets crazy. So very monotonous, which was really nice because just like, I don't know, I was pretty stressed out uh, last week or, or two weeks ago, the last couple weeks. So having a game that was just pretty 
monotonous and I didn't have to think too much about was was pretty relaxing. So, which is probably why I ended up falling into it for so long. But have not played since, which is probably a good thing. And then I've played a lot of Pokemon Go, Pokemon Sword, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Eternal Duelist Soul, which are all games that I talked about on last week's episode. But yeah, just playing a lot of games that I did not expect to be playing. But hey, it happens, you know? And then a lot less reading, unfortunately, but I am still reading the book Eldest, which, like I said, is from the Inheritance Cycle you might know the first book, Aragon, all, all by Christopher Paolini. Again, one of my favorite series. Music, Callum Scott. I've been obsessed with Callum Scott in the last couple months. I don't know. Just his voice is stinking awesome and it's phenomenal. And then TV shows, Yu-Gi-Oh! Season 3. I jumped back into that, something I started watching like months ago and then just kind of stopped and then Exodus hit. And then I watched Clone Wars Season 7, which is the new season. It's absolutely amazing. If you like Star Wars at all, check it out. And then the last thing, which is what we're talking about today, Tiger King. So I've been taking in a, a ton of stuff, to be honest. Hey, that's awesome, though. Yeah. Um, so with that, I'm assuming that most people have seen this show now because I think it's officially the most popular documentary in the history of the world. Have is you that, heard that as well? I've never heard of that, no. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I've been told by several sources. So I don't know if it's true or not. And they were even saying that in the uh, the post Tiger King interviews they were doing. But yeah, apparently apparently it's huge, which is so dumb uh, because it's actually a pretty awful show, and I think everyone knows that to be honest. So this is Tiger King. Uh, I don't think you even need to watch the series the documentary to be able to follow along with the premise of, of this episode to be honest i think most people probably at least heard the the gist of it and there's i don't know i don't think we're going to spoil that much to be honest so let's start with the the main characters first thing to keep in mind is this is the story of private zookeepers essentially and their uh, collection of large cats like tigers and lions and leopards and stuff like that and the way that they interact with each other so the main character i guess is joe exotic his real name is joe something or other that i can't pronounce uh they showed it a couple times on, on the show and he ended up just changing his name to exotic but he has a absolutely massive tiger zoo in oklahoma and he's basically an entertainer he films everything he does he's dresses really strangely uh i don't know he's like has a mullet gun toting i don't know he, he's kind of crazy i don't know how else he would describe him he's a guy that owns like 60 something tigers oh it was so at the start of the show it was 167 by the end of the show it was almost 300 yeah yeah it's in, insane and that's just the tigers that's not counting everything else right it was I think they said it was the largest collection of tigers in the United States. And they also said that there's more tigers in captivity in the United States than anywhere else in the world combined. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty wild. And then the next character I want to bring in is essentially his enemy, his arch enemy, uh, which is Carol Baskin. So she is a lady in Florida. She's the founder and CEO of 
Big Cat's sanctuary, and she basically claims to be like a rescuer of big animals like tigers and stuff like that. And so she is does everything in her power to attack Joe and what he does and similar people. But in reality, at least the way the documentary portrays it, she does basically the exact same thing, but at her zoo, which she, instead of calling it a zoo, she calls it a sanctuary or a rescue. So people are a little bit more supportive. But their enemies, she accuses Joe of abusing tigers for money uh, and for illegal breeding and stuff like that. And then the next one I want to bring up is Doc Antle, who he is pretty similar to Joe, but instead of crazy and outlandish, he's very, well, he's still kind of crazy. He's insane. (laughs) uh, But he, I don't know, he's more... Uh, he, he, he's got a doctorate and everything, even though it's in some weird degree, but he's a little bit more professional, I guess it seems like, uh, or has a little bit more authority in some ways, but he's in South Carolina. He has his own zoo, rides an elephant around just for fun. We'll get to this later, but he grew up as a professional cowboy and he is a polygamist and is into like Hindu practices and stuff like that, which we'll talk about all that later. There's a few other different zookeepers that they talk about. Some of them are drug dealers. Some of them are just crazy. Some of them are murderers. You know, it, it, it's absolutely insane. Um, but those are kind of the main three that I wanted to bring up. Were there any other ones, any other characters that you think we should mention right now, Gordon? Uh, no, I think that's... Fair enough. Oh my gosh. This show <laughs> had me so on edge. I think, honestly, we'll get to this at the end, but I think that's one of the reasons why people love this show so much, is it's such a train wreck. You know? And especially in in all this like chaos of the pandemic, and people are realizing like there's different parts of their lives that they, they're not enjoying, right? And so they see this, and I think it honestly just makes us feel good about ourselves to see like all but this chaos. I think another thing is is this is something me and Lizzie talked about when we watched it. Uh, it's been a while, but it's the way the people made the docu series, and so like you know the show starts out and they're like, "Have you heard of people that own cats?" And it's like one guy's like, "Cat owners are the worst. People that own monkeys are just like weird and monkey people, but people that own cats." are terrible people and then like you start learning about these people in the united states that own cats and you're like okay this is crazy and kind of cool and then you hear the numbers and you see it and you're like this is insane Mm -hmm. because that's like because you you called it a zoo yeah that's what they call it but it's essentially his backyard it's like where he lives he just bought more land and built cages and because he let can let people in it's a zoo but it's not a zoo it's just his home, and it's just crazy. And then you're like, okay, this is a cool animal-owning documentary. And then, like, the last five seconds of the first episode, it's like, but this. And you're like, wait, what? What? Wait, what? What? And then, <laughs> yeah. then you watch the next episode, and it's a, another episode completely about something else. Like, now they're married to multiple people. And you're like, wait what are what is happening (laughs) and then like you start to like carol because and then on the third episode it's all about how carol was a terrible person you're like wait what 
and it's like perspective each episode is a different perspective that changes everything yeah and yeah it's just it the way they crafted each episode was i think brilliant on their part but also why people are like this show is crazy yeah it's it's I don't know. I, I think you guys will kind of get the gist of it as we go through a few of these minor points. But yeah, it, it's it's pretty wild. So the first thing I want to bring up, this is pretty early on. Uh, we find out that Joe came out as gay at uh, at 13 and was immediately disowned by his father. And as kind of a uh, kind of repercussion of that, he he really struggled a lot with, with his identity and, and uh, feeling welcomed and stuff like that. And so he eventually decided to drive his car off a bridge and try and kill himself. And while recovering, his neighbor brought him like exotic pets. And that's kind of where all this started. But we see this from the very beginning. Also, I, I realized as I was saying this, this show is really messed up. So this might be a, an adult episode. So just warning now, there's a lot of stuff in here. We're not going to say anything in too much detail, um, but just the content of this show itself, I, th- I think it's impossible to uh, dodge everything. So there's going to be some uh, adult stuff. Yeah, I don't know how else to say that. Um, it's like rock and rolls from the 80s. Yeah, 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 exactly. He dresses like it too. <laughs> Okay, so this is kind of a a smaller point, but Doc Antle, they're kind of like interviewing him, and he's talking about how it takes $10,000 a year to feed a tiger, and immediately it cuts over to uh, Joe, and he's like, yeah, we we use about $3,000, because they literally would just take roadkill and a bunch of, like, dead cows from farms and stuff like that, and so we see the difference in how they treat animals, Uh, and from this point on, we see that not only Joe, but all of them are abusing the animals in some way. And I think this is another reason why this has drawn so much attention is because we do have so much compassion for animals in our society now, which is not a bad thing. But I, I think part of what this reveals, uh, we'll talk about this later on. Uh, you know what? Let's talk about it now. There's a point later on where Joe actually says, I would rather kill one of you than one of my uh, animals. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he... Yeah, right here. It says, I'd rather shoot you before I shoot my, my cat. Um, and then right after that, we find out that Doc Antle sleeps with an AK-47 under his pillow, which just seems really uncomfortable to me. You think you'd choose something else, but whatever. But they have no problem attacking human beings. They have no problem fighting them or like ruining their lives, as we see between like Carol and Joe. But when it comes to animals, even though they're abusing those two, there's some kind of like protection there. And so I think one of the themes that I wanted to talk about eventually is this idea of animals having more value than humans in our society today. Any thoughts on that? I think I'd have to think on it more. But I mean, with... I don't know with that with that alone it's basically what you've kind of already said where the, with for them for so for them I think it's just been so this small desire for Joe it's been something that like filled a wound has grown into an obsession and there was there was a difference from when it was the beginning and 
there, he, he the way he talked about exotic animals coming into his life it was actually like really lovely and beautiful and it's something that's like when you, someone talks about a hobby or something they do you're like wow that's awesome mm-hmm. but now seeing it it has grown into an obsession and that's where it's like the the view of what you saw this thing has now been poisoned and you you're almost looking at it through through a false lens and it's so got it's been so twisted over the years that now he sees normal human beings as less and not not even as people anymore and he actually sees these animals as as people uh, they all do really because they they have so much compassion that they they treat them like people they they consider them their family and that's something that i don't know if you have in the, in here but something we could talk about is just like the show is an idea of what is what is truly natural versus what they think is okay and natural so like true nature if that makes sense yeah I, in their own lives they're they're like like you said as um doc being the polygamist like they're misconstruing so many different like truths to their own oh yeah for sure and i definitely did have something in here on the misunderstanding of of marriage but the natural versus unnatural i i didn't really have that but i i think that does make sense because as we look at this show we notice that when all of them started out they started out with this desire to help animals but their understanding of humanity they they'd been they'd all been really really hurt at some point and so because of that they kind of moved away from people and to animals and i i think there's something to that where over time that like you said developed into a misunderstanding of who they are as human beings and what is natural and what is uh what is even human you know Does that makes yeah, sense yeah but yeah and i I'm even thinking like the the nature of owning a tiger in the sense that like they firmly believe that it's safe and that, you know, they're inside the cages with them. They're cuddling with them, all these crazy things. And, you know, there are professional animals in this docuseries that's like, look, it just takes time for the tiger to grow up and eventually it's a tiger and it's going to want to attack you, eat you, hurt you. Uh, even if it's an accident, mm-hmm. one small accident because of the size of their paws or whatever could be fatal. And it just doesn't make sense. And I think it's this really weird idea of like, like you said, this desire to help animals and there's ways to do that financially or by creating a small sanctuary. But then one tiger became 10, became 50, became 100. And at that point, and some of Joe's like helpers that he hires on t- like say this, like there was a point when it shifted when he was, it was for the animals. And mm-hmm. now he wasn't even focused on the animals and they weren't, weren't eating anymore. And it became just a battle between other people that did this for being the best. And yeah, it just everything lost its cause. Yeah, the eating thing I think is some, something good to bring up too that you just mentioned because even though Joe was only spending three thousand dollars a year to feed the the tigers, he was spending essentially nothing to feed his employees. At one point, it says that they're making a hundred dollars a week 
for working from 8 a.m. until midnight. And they were literally taking expired food from the trailer that came from like Walmart. And that yeah, was that's what a, they would eat. Yeah, they would get so, a trailer of expired food for the animals, but they let the employees pick through it first. Yeah. And so it, it's like you're not caring for the humans. Uh, whereas, I mean, you could say like that's pretty bad to give to the animals too, but tigers have acid in their stomach that breaks that stuff down so that they can eat dead animals you know humans don't right. have that <laughs> if we do that we die and so like it's i don't know it's just crazy to me that the the care for the human beings that lived there almost became less no I, not even almost i think it became less than than the the animals itself and like we said that there's just so much uh confusion there yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to jump around, but it's, I mean, I feel like talking about one thing is always going to lead into something else. That yeah. even reminds me of how he hired on people, because it was, in this weird core of it, a good thing, because his, all his employees were people that had just got out of jail or prison, or uh, people that... That needed may, something. Yeah, that may have been drug addicts and lost anything, and someone who was essentially maybe homeless and couldn't get a job anywhere else. And he would find them and be like, come and work for me. And it's in one way good. Cause not only was he paying them, but he, he's kind of giving them house and board. Cause he's got like a whole bunch of really terrible trailers that they can stay at. But it's also crazy. Cause none of them have experience handling exotic animals and they're doing this thing. But yeah, it was. It's like it's. It was just weird to see because at first you're like, "That's nice," but then it almost seems like he's using them, and so it's like this weird silver tongue thing where he's manipulating their circumstance into working for him. And then once they're there, they they're not making enough or doing anything to be able to get out. Yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and just jump into that because yeah, that's essentially what's happening. It even says at one point that he hires those people specifically because they work harder and they're uh, more willing to do whatever because they don't want to lose their job because they're more desperate. Um, And then going off of that, I think it's the same episode they were talking about that. Going over to Doc Antle. Right, um, yeah. Because this gets really messed up. So if you have any kids with you, this is pretty bad. So I don't know, pause it, come back later, whatever. So first off, they called him Bhagavan, which means... Uh, according to them, Lord or all, all knowing, all seeing being of the universe, whatever, which is like a, a Hindi term. So he's this yoga master, essentially. But he brings in interns, usually like late in high school or early college aged females and specifically tries to target an emotionally like confused virgins is, is what his focus is. And it literally says that. And yeah. he he would sleep with them and then they would become attached to him and not want to leave and so that's how he ended up with like eight wives or whatever it is um but he would control every aspect of their lives so they were forced to be vegetarians they had to do yoga with him uh he would choose their outfits they would work all day again getting paid nothing he forced them to get breast implants like all this stuff he controlled every aspect of their life but they essentially stayed because 
they felt trapped, even though they were free to leave. It's almost like uh, Stockholm syndrome in a way. Yeah, that or even just like like a cult. Yeah, and the, like that's what they, they called it. Found, too. Yeah, because they because for both Joe Exotic and for Doc, the people that worked for him like were taken, like you said, from this place of confusion and despair and kind of found a community. It is weird because they do have other people that are very similar to them and they're all doing something. They found a community and they found like something to do where they can put effort into something. Sadly for Doc, the girls, they literally work 24-7. They never get a holiday. They don't go home for Christmas, any of that. Mm -hmm. But they found this community to the point where the, there's one that did, does get away and is, they're interviewing and she said, like, Leaving is scary because one one I you don't know where you're going to go. Like you're literally in the middle of South Carolina, and it's crazy. It's like deep in the woods, and you'd have to find your way home, and you don't make enough money to to be able to do that. And mm -hmm. you you yeah, you don't know who who to call, how to call them, where to go, and you just would be back to where you were, however many years ago when you before you joined. And same for the people working with Joe Exotic. Like, you have a community, you have people. Even though it's terrible and you want out, like, if you left, you're back to square one being an ex-con that has no money and probably can't get a job anywhere. Yeah, this this honestly reminds me of, like, modern slavery in some parts of the world where uh, they will encourage people to immigrate to their country uh, and then the employer will actually take the uh, their passports so that they can't leave, and then they won't pay them essentially anything, so they're stuck uh, in, in the same way that these people have no money. Obviously, the passport thing isn't an issue, but they have nowhere to go because the employer has taken away everything from them that would make them able to leave. Yeah, and even... Once you, you have left, it reminds me of just because, you know, we just kind of went, went through this with Exodus. But when when the slaves from from Egypt did leave, it wasn't long before they were like, I'd rather go back. Yeah. Because that was just easier than what this is. Right. Which obviously, uh, for those of you who've been listening to us, Exodus 90 is all about how that slavery is a, a foreshadowing or a hint of our own attachment to sin and to different things, even like good things in the world, but we have an over, over attachment to them. So maybe that can even be one of our first questions is, are we overly attached to something where we're afraid to let go of that thing? So even going further with this idea of manipulating young people um, in one of the episodes. So at this point, we've already found out that Joe uh, has a, Union with uh, two two guys. So one is Travis and one is John. So we find out that he, neither of them identified as gay before they met Joe. Right. Uh, uh, and basically what happened was Joe, I don't know, he, he offered them something. In the same way that Doc Antle was doing to the girls, Joe offered them a place where they belonged, offered them attention and support, and offered them marijuana and drugs. 
and uh, like other drugs and guns and four wheelers, you know, like things that 19 year old guys would be interested in. And he basically just kept them entertained uh, as best as he could. And like that was how he kind of persuaded them. So th- there was a lot of kind of messed up stuff there on on, on all sides. So throughout this whole thing, Joe is threatening the heck out of Carol, like building dummies of her and shooting them, blowing them up, threatening to drop grenades on her house, all this stuff, Uh, sending poisonous snakes into her mailbox, all kinds of stuff. And it's I mean, it's messed up. And like you said, there's a small part of the show where you're like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, I'm on Carol's side. Um, (laughs) Yeah. like the second episode and that's it and you're like yeah yeah like i said a a very small part um and then we we do find out a little bit about her later on so this is i think probably like halfway through the show but we find Mm -hmm. out that at the age of 14 uh carol was raped by three guys at at knife point and she said that her family uh specifically she said they were christians and because of that they blamed her for what happened that she was asking for and that she had provoked them. And I think this is a, a really unhealthy um, portrayal of Christians. Uh, Cause that's not obviously not a Christian thing to do. Um, uh, I think that goes without saying, but because of that, she ran away from home at the age of 15, got married. And by the time she was 20, she was on her third marriage and that was to a man who eventually, well, he was 20, 22 years older than her, but was very, very rich. And eventually he uh, just disappeared. And so a lot of the show is, did Carol kill her husband and feed him to a tiger? And that's like one of the big questions of the show. So there's all this stuff on her side, too. And like you said, her her current husband, uh, I think, is like her fourth or, fourth or fifth husband uh, at that point of the show. Anything else before i keep jumping forward here no i mean the only thing that comes to mind currently is that just because <laughs> it's really weird doing a podcast about all this but yeah it is so i i feel like a lot of things we're saying might be stretches and all that but it's just it's all clear cut that everything they're doing is wrong but the one thing that came, comes to mind is that everyone as, uh, the more and more you want, the more and more like the, the docuseries reveals stuff. Everyone has like you know skeletons in their closet essentially. Like everyone is broken. Everyone has mistakes. Everyone has has had terrible things happen to them. And I think that's just you know just true for all of us as as humans that are product of the fall. We're all going to experience tragedy as well as all make mistakes or do things. And these people who are you know, slaves to their own sin and, f- and and making others slave to their sin and then feeding them by pumping them with drugs or whatever they're doing or brainwashing them, whatever. When they find out that someone else that is doing something the same as them, like like owning large animals and they're trying to be the king of that, the Tiger King, mm-hmm. then and they find out that they have skeletons in their closet all they do is they blow that up. So like right now, I think the big trend since this show is everyone just wants 
to see the truth that Carol Baskin killed her husband. Mm-hmm. And that's like the big thing. Um, but there's other terrible things in the show that people aren't making like a big trend and could. And so it's just like, you know, Joe Exotic through really took that and like blew it up. And then she kind of took some things of Joe Exotic and blew it up. And, and it's just because of that truth and like, I'm trying to take this into our, if, if we did that, like you and I, I don't know, found dirt on each other and just kept blowing it up. Then, then for our, for our perception, perception, God just becomes more and more and more and more lost mm-hmm. to us. And yeah. just, we're just shoving him away in a way because we're making all the other stuff surface um, for us and for others. And then it just seems like that's all that there is. Does that make sense? I, I think so. So let me let me try and say it back, and we'll see if we're on the same page. So, well, f- first off, we we have this desire as humans to uncover the truth, and I think we've talked about that on different episodes before. And that's because God Himself is truth, right? Uh, Jesus even says He is the way, the life, and the truth. And so we have this desire to uncover what that truth is. I think that was on the serial killer episode, maybe that you guys did. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so we have this desire for truth, but in the process of trying to bring the truth to life, we become more obsessed with uh, attacking the the individual or the process of bringing truth forward rather than the truth itself. And so we, we lose track of what is actually true, and it becomes all about our own perception of what that truth is. And they definitely even talk about that, especially at, at was it the last episode? I don't want to spoil it too much but I feel like you guys probably know the show at this point. They're talking about how so much of the trouble in the last like three episodes of the show could have just been avoided if they would have been like normal human beings and not just attacked each other. They spent millions of dollars. And I, th- I think it was Joe's campaign manager that said it, that they wasted millions of dollars on lawsuits that could have gone to feeding the animals, but instead the animals and the employees were starving to death, you know? Yeah. Um, so just what, all this stuff. What I think it is, is cause we are, I feel like in a lot of episodes recently, we've just talked about like truth. What I think it is, is identity. And that Carol finds her identity in the tigers, but also in the idea that she's rescuing them, even mm-hmm. though, this seems very similar to everything else, but right. that's hearsay. And then Joe Exotic finds his identity in being the Tiger King and owning a lot of tigers and rescuing ex-cons and stuff. And then Doc finds his identity in this. But then when they when they each other find dirt on each other, they're like, no, your identity is in that you killed your husband. And she's like, no, your identity is in that you abuse animals. And they're trying to push yeah. a more true identity but all those things aren't their actual identity. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and the way that you phrase that, I mean, that sounds like the lies of Satan trying to, to talk to us, you know? Like, we have our identity, like like you said, for Carol. It started off as wanting to help these animals. Uh, for Joe, it started off as, um, like, this is his way of bringing joy to people. Because um, it all started off because his brother died in a... Like a car accident with a drunk driver or something and so he went to schools to talk about drugs and alcohol abuse and the kids weren't paying attention so he started bringing in animals which is a good good thing right i mean if i was in elementary school or even high school and someone brought in a tiger to talk about 
whatever, I'd be like, heck yeah, I'm going to listen to you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so it, it became something else where their identity got wrapped up in that. And yeah, we, we've definitely talked about that too. All the way back in like season one of the show, we did that episode, Don't Lose Yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that, uh, but all about like how when we get so wrapped up in our identity of these things, when we lose those things, we lose our identity. Or uh, even the idea that when we sin, and this is kind of where that episode went, when we sin, sin is anything that is missing the mark of what we're made for, what we're created for. And so if we're missing the mark of what it means to be human, we are doing things that are inhuman, right? So sin is inhuman. And so we, we lose our identif- identity as human beings and we start to become something different in the way that we act not in our in our value obviously we still have the value of human beings but the way that we act and the way that we think is something that is more animal in nature and that's kind of what we see happen between these guys between carol and joe where they're attacking each other like animals which is really ironic and i just realized that but i mean we see more vicious attacks between the humans than between the tigers. Um, And I wonder if that's another reason why they are so in love with these animals. I I think there's a quote where, yeah, yeah, here we go. So Joe said at one point that the reason why he loved what he did so much is animals don't judge you. As long as you're good in the heart, they don't care who you are or what you've done with your past. There's this idea of forgiveness. There's this idea of mercy. There's this idea where they default to love. And obviously, tigers have this instinct that is going to be a little bit more vicious than like a little puppy dog. Um, but we see that even though humans were created good, this is such a fallen world, man. I mean, we look at this show and it's just like, yeah, th- I mean, <laughs> there's so much pain there's so much suffering and there's so much attacking in here that it's hard to look at their actions as something that is human well yeah and i find it it's crazy that they would rather you know find this comfort in a vice that is a tiger and take the risk of dying by the danger of the dangers of doing so than in people and possibly feeling heartbreak from time to time from judgment or uh, a breakup or something mm-hmm. like it, it for me this these tigers are like a symbol of of uh, near occasions of sin or something where it's like you're not necessarily dying or doing the bad thing but you know at any point something terrible could happen but you're you'd rather stay in that comfortable zone then go and do the better thing that for a little bit is going to hurt because it's clearing away all the false identities. It's scratching away all the scales and everything just to show the more true you. Mm. Does that make sense? I think so. I like the reference to uh, C.S. Lewis again. Appreciate that always. Okay. And so, like I said, stuff gets, gets pretty crazy here. The last couple episodes, I mean, it's kind of just a continuation of all this craziness. There is, this isn't really relevant, but I mean, Joe runs for president and governor. I think it's really, 
really funny that he finds his campaign ma- manager from the Walmart gun. He's, he's a Walmart gun salesman and just like, hey, you want to run my campaign? Uh, so he just gets this dude like 20 something year old from from Walmart to run his campaign for him, which is yeah, pretty funny. Poor guy. Yeah. Which he seems like one of, one of the most sane people in the entire thing, in my opinion. But a few quotes here. So if, if you want to know what happens in the rest of the show, don't watch it, but <laughs> it's up to you. I don't know. I'm, I can't stop you. But yeah, so we're just going to go through a few quotes that I thought were pretty good for, from the end of the show, and then we can hit some themes that we've we uh, haven't touched already. So one of the things is, even through all of this, Joe, he does some really crazy stuff. I mean, we're making uh, like threats on people's lives here. Like it's It's really messed up. And he gets in a lot of trouble, does a lot of crazy things. And in the midst of all that, he says, God is in control. So he will either pull me through this or he won't. And, oh my gosh, uh, I don't know. I I, I get what he's trying to say, but in the context, I I feel like it's pretty messed up. So I don't know. Do you want to say anything before I kind of go off? No, go ahead. Okay. So obviously that sounds great. Like God is in control. Fantastic. And he's going to pull us through. Um, But throughout this whole thing, whenever Joe talks about God and faith and stuff like that, um, it's kind of like, I'm going to go do this stupid, crazy thing. That's completely like, I know is immoral and then God's going to pull me out and it's going to be okay. Um, And if he won't, then God's not real. So whatever. Um, Which I think is a pretty common way of looking at God, unfortunately, where we'd go do something stupid and then God will pull us out or he, he doesn't exist, you know, because if God is all good and all powerful, then he would always save us from these things. But if we look at it, God, God's a father, right? How many times does like a, a good parent have to allow their children to have the repercussions of their stupid actions to learn not to do those things again, you know? Um, it, reminds me of uh my pastor was going to get some medicine uh a couple weeks ago and he was going to like a cvs or something and they were only allowing like two people in the in the store at a time and they had to like wear masks and stuff and then these teenagers just like ran in no masks were just like touching stuff and just being ridiculous and he kind of called them out and he's like god will protect me man uh and it's like Yes, but also no. Like our our actions and our conse- our, our actions have consequences, you know. Um, and we can't just expect God to pull us out of every stupid thing that we do, because uh, that would eliminate free will entirely. So yeah. I, I don't know. That's that's kind of what I had. Yeah. No, I agree. Um. Okay. And then throughout the show. Joe is actually held in, in prison. And so we see like little snippets of things that he said. And one of the reoccurring things that he says is I'm in a cage. You know why animals die in cages? Their soul dies. Yeah. And then I actually, I want to tie that with something that I, uh, one of the federal attorneys says from his trial. It's kind of long, but I think it's really, really good. 
So she says, Mr. Passage, uh, that's Joe's last name now, so Joe Exotic. Whenever it says Mr. Passage, it's Joe Exotic. Mr. Passage built his own kingdom. He was the Tiger King. But here's the problem with kings. They get used to making all the rules. Mr. Passage believed that his kingdom was under attack, so he attacked back. But we're not here because of what he said online. We're here today because of what he said when nobody was listening. And he decided that, as the king, he would protect the kingdom at all costs. He was going to simply assassinate his rival. And it is your job to make sure that nobody, not even the Tiger King, is above the law. Uh, so, again, that's a quote from the, the trial itself. But I think this hit, hints back to what you're talking about before with putting our identity into the, this thing. Uh, right. That's the kingdom. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to say with that quote in mind. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think this goes into anything we've already said, not only in, in the identity, but in, uh, ironically, in what you were just saying about the previous quote with free will. And that, like, the identity or the perception of what what freedom and free will looks like. And so... Mm -hmm in this identity of having a kingdom and like being the king of that kingdom, having a, a really false idea of what free choices I have. And that's what this, this you know, it's what we saying in the end, like we have to make sure he doesn't think he can just do whatever he, he wants because his, he has a kingdom and it's being attacked and that's what he does. Right. Yeah. And I think there's something about, this like tiger king um like in trying to defend his kingdom he gets in so much trouble that he ends up in a cage himself like there's so much irony um uh, between that quote too um where when he talks about when they're in the cage their soul dies and i think that goes back to um what we were talking about before like when when you're stuck in this root, whatever this enslavement is, whatever your addiction is, whatever your um, like attachment to things is, when we become so invested in that identity as the king, and then it's gone, and we feel like we're just all that's left is we're stuck in this cage where we can't have that thing, we start to lose our soul. You know, and and not even just at that point, but throughout this process of becoming addicted or attached to this thing, our soul begins to die, and and that's what Joe's talking about. Like he's he's stuck in prison, he's stuck in this cage, and he's starting to understand why animals die because, like them, he's realizing that his soul is is dead. Not not literally, but uh, kind of figuratively. Yeah, totally. Okay, and then just going down to uh, a few last quotes here there's a character goes by saf who's super chill through this whole thing her arm gets ripped off by a tiger and she's just like super chill about the whole thing but at the end she has this quote where she says really nobody wins everyone involved is a so-called animal advocate but not a single animal benefited from this war not a single one and i think that just ties in with what we were saying before where you were talking about how this became something beyond the animals and was all about this individual gain or this individual attack on each other's identity. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay, so let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about a, a few themes here. So we've already talked about a few. Um, one of the big ones throughout the entire show is that emotional manipulation, I think. And everyone I've talked to has recognized that there is some clear evil in this show. Like, everyone says it's messed up. And I think it intrigues us kind of similar to the way that we're, like I said before, the way we were intrigued to the uh, like murder mystery serial shows, killers. serial yeah. killer stuff like that. Um, because it's something that we don't understand. It's something that, like I said before, is uh, it's inhuman. I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll link that Don't Lose Yourself episode in here just so you guys can check that out. Um, but I think this is all a desire to understand what is true. But also, because it's something that is so foreign to us, I think it's also a draw to what is unknown. Uh, on the show, we talk about like this desire to enter into the unknown, the the adventure, because a lot of the times those things are just a draw to God, because God himself is something that, that we we go through this adventure of life trying to pursue an understanding of, but we'll never quite fully reach, uh, no matter how much we pursue him. Um at least in our intellect, we'll never be able to completely understand who God is. And so this idea of like pursuing the unknown is something that is inherently Christian, I think. Um, and so I think part of this interest in the show is the immorality, is the uh, emotional manipulation, because it's, it's stuff that hopefully we don't fully understand because we can't understand how people would live like this, how people would treat each other, treat animals like this. And so it it draws our attention. Am I far off base there, or, or do you think no. there's something to it? No, I think that's brilliant because um, in the end, with, with what this podcast is about, it's about, you know, in the things we or take in in the media and stuff like there, there is this draw to certain things and that's why we are attracted to it so there is like truth to what, what we're attracted to in the show like what that's like kind of telling us as well as the people in the show and what they're attracted to and it made me actually think of why they're all attracted to exotic animals mm. and there's this idea that like god created this earth and they actually are finding this beauty in these animals that are so-called exotic, like these animals that are so lovely and actually like are a feline, they're cats, but on the other sense, they're super dangerous and ferocious and mm -hmm. yet they don't judge me and, and they, and like, they're not killing me and, and there's beauty in that. But, everything else has like they've lost it but there's like this like you know we can pray in nature we can pray with animals i'm sure if like if it was possible to own like killer whales or so well, actually that that's a whole nother documentary um seriously <laughs> oh my gosh um tune in next week for a killer whales documentary just no, i was thinking of the sea world documentary but um, oh that one okay no, but like if it was possible to own like some kind of water animal that was crazy, I'm sure people would be attracted to it because there's beauty in the way the animals move and work. There's beauty to the way that certain plants and things grow. And it's this beauty that connects us to God's creation and in that way connects us back to God. And so like there's a sense of that from them. But then like like we've already touched on, that gets lost 
through obsession and through uh, sin and, and, and uh, drugs and all these other things. It just gets blurred and lost. But it's cool to think like, yeah, that's why they like tigers. That's why he wants to own a hundred and something. That's not the point of what admiring God's creation is, but it's because he does under recognize this this beauty in this in this creation. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I used to want to be a zookeeper. Do you know that? I think you have mentioned that. Okay. Once. Yeah, yeah, but uh, this this show definitely made me think that I made the right <laughs> choice. Um, but yeah, th- there's a lot to that where we. I don't know, we as humans, we, we love animals in that way. Um, even thinking now, in the midst of this pandemic, one of the things that's really cool, and I don't, I'm don't, i sure you've seen these videos, is like zoos are just letting their animals take tours of the rest of the zoo and go like meet the rest of the animals and stuff. And people are loving it, right? We're, we're so intrigued by, uh, and even the animals themselves have this draw to like understand each other and to like go see each other. Um, one of my favorites was, I think it was like a dolphin and something else. We're like looking at each other through through the glass and like playing games with each other. Like that that's pretty cool stuff. But there's yeah, I, I think there's something to that that beauty of nature and understanding the power of this creation. And I think that goes back to the Narnia books as well from C.S. Lewis that you referenced before. Yeah, with uh, Aslan being a lion and that whole quote of um, the Pevensey girl is like, is he dangerous? And uh, I think it's one of the beavers or something says, of course he's dangerous, but he's also good. And so just understanding that even in the midst of the danger, he is something that is good. And so I, I think there is something to animals and nature that awes us and brings us to just wonder that points us to who God is. I agree. Okay, so the next theme I want I want to talk about, and we've hinted at this already, is the distortion of marriage in this show, and it is distorted so bad. We have polygamy, we have divorce. Carol was married to, like I said, four or five guys th- throughout the history that's portrayed in the show. We have uh, several homosexual unions. We have infidelity. We have sex addiction. We have all these different things, and I. I don't really know even where I want to go with this um, other than the fact that we recognize that again, we recognize that this is messed up. Uh, I don't know anyone I've talked to who has watched this and like, Oh yeah, man, I'm so glad that uh, Doc Antle had eight wives. Like that's amazing, you know, or that I can't remember Carol's third husband's name, but that he was cheating on her. Uh, and that he had a sex addiction. Like, no one's saying, like, those are good things, you know? Um, and so I think we recognize that there is something innately wrong about the perception of marriage that is portrayed. Yeah, so I, I think there's something to that as well. But I think it also hints towards the brokenness of everyone there uh, in that they become more um, vulnerable to these addictions because. Uh, they desire to be loved so badly. And we see that in the way that um, Carol and Joe and some of the others were, were hurt when they were younger and how they were rejected by people. And so this desire for a marriage in whatever fashion they can get um, is kind of like fulfilling that that hole that they feel. 
Yeah. I, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, so again, that's not to like, I'm not trying to bash any, any of them for this kind of stuff, but I, I'm just trying to understand what is the, what is the, um, I guess, draw that we have here that helps us to understand who Christ is better. So I think there is something definitely there that helps us understand um, the the benefit of of marriage, you know, a, a, a true, um, like, faithful marriage. Yeah, and if you, if you don't have anything else for that, then the last theme that I had that I wanted to bring up was going back to the, the tiger king in a tiger cage kind of situation. The irony of that is so amazing. Well done, documentary people. Um, but that got me thinking of how do we build our own demise in our spiritual life sometimes where maybe we are so focused on, like you said, our identity or or even let's say a good thing. We're so focused on uh, like building up this one part of our spiritual lives that we completely neglect something else. Like in this show, he began to neglect the animals. He began to neglect his coworkers, his friends, his family, all that stuff. And eventually he lost them. He lost everything. And so I wonder if, the cages that we build, because he, he got all these cages for the animals, ended up in a cage himself. Are those things our own demise sometimes um, in our spiritual warfare? So that's pretty vague, but I don't know. What do you think? No, I think that's a great question. Um, I would say sometimes, if not a lot of times, yes. But I think that very easily bleeds into a challenge. Challenge for the show? Go for it. Yeah, I think that bleeds into like something to sit with as far as, um, especially right now in, in, in quarantine. Like I, I've, uh, you know, last week you were talking, you, you just asked at the beginning of the show, like, so if you're not like crazy binging again, like you were last week. And uh, I think, you know, with the daily examine or different things like that to just kind of like reflect on like, okay, what is my routine these days? What am I? What am I doing? What What are things I used to do? What are hobbies that I have? And am I still pursuing those hobbies currently, or, or am I not? And the things that I am pursuing and and allowing to build up is that slowly, like isolating myself from others or putting me in in this cage eventually, and um, just yeah. something to sit with and reflect on. I think that's a great question. Yeah, no, I I think that's awesome. Are, are we being a tiger king in a tiger cage, you know? Um, and if so, like, let's, with that, examine if we're being this tiger king stuck inside, like we're literally stuck in our, our houses and our apartments and stuff like that, What what is our kingdom? Is our kingdom something that uh, maybe we're attached to or we're addicted to or that we put our identity in? Or is it something that's actually good for us to to invest in is our kingdom heaven is our kingdom god and, and that relationship uh so what what is the ultimate good in our life right now um and i i think there's some hard truths that when we examine our life and ask that question that you're, you're saying is it going to be the right answer and 
I can say like, even for myself, it's, it's probably not, you know, uh, we are fallen people. Uh, and so we always have like these, these attachments. So let's make that uh, part of that as well. We'll just examine what is our kingdom? What, what do we invest in right now? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all I have. I think, is there anything else you want to touch on real quick or any other challenges? No, I think that's, I don't, I don't know. I think that's great. Yeah, it's man. I I literally watched the first couple episodes of this with my one of my roommates, and he's like, "I don't know how you're gonna do a show on this." And I was like, "I think the more messed up it is, like the better it is for us to examine this." You know, like it, it's easy to do a show on like Lord of the Rings. You know, it's it's harder to do a show on stuff like this where we see so much chaos. Um, but Christ is still definitely here, so hopefully we're able to pull that out for you guys. And if you find anything else in here um that uh you want to bring up please feel free to share that with us but before we jump into all that stuff do you have any shout outs i will give a shout out to uh my brother because it will be his birthday this week no way yeah more like next week but that's when this comes out so i want to give a shout out to my brother too because it's his birthday today Oh, yeah, wow. that's crazy. I literally had it in my my show notes to, to talk about that. Happy birthday, brothers. Yeah. So happy birthday, brothers. And then I also wanted to give a shout out to Mr. John Leonetti. So John is a uh, he has a podcast of his own. He has a uh, he's like does the Catholic radio in Iowa and all that stuff. Like awesome guy, speaker. Um and he actually taught theology at my high school for a little bit and went to my college. So I kind of know him a little bit, but he posted on Facebook the other day something about uh, like what Catholic podcast are you listening to? And uh, my brother, whose birthday is today, and I both put in the Christ and culture. And uh, uh, we've had a few people start following us and listening to us ever since then. So uh, thank you to everyone who kind of jumped over from John. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this uh episode it's a little crazy so hopefully this isn't the first episode you you listen to but uh maybe check out some other ones too we appreciate you guys checking this out otherwise if you haven't already you can check us out at our website thechristinculture.com there we have old blogs you can check out uh doing the same thing on on other topics we have all our episodes with who's on them guests me clint steve uh, we have links to our social media pages where we have a Facebook, the Christ and Culture forward slash, I mean, Facebook forward slash the Christ and Culture, and a Twitter at On the Adventure 2. Uh, you can reach us and like talk to us through the website, um, as well as our emails probably up there. And you can email us things from this episode, th- other things you found out from watching Tiger King that we, we missed. And from wherever you listen, if you you've enjoyed this show. Uh, if, if you want to let us know how we're doing, please just, you know, hit the five star and leave a review that helps others find us on those platforms as well as let us know that we're, we're doing a good job. Yeah, and that's it. And, uh, I, I appreciate the attention. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. But yeah. Thank you guys. And we will hopefully see you guys next week. Yeah.
Hey, all you cool cats and kittens.